This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast, number 172, Time, Part 2. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a citizen of heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for coming back. This is the second part of my conversation with Jeff O'Rear and B.J. Sipe. Again, Jeff is the evangelist for the Judson Road Church of Christ in Longview, Texas, and co-host of the Working with the Word podcast. B.J. is the evangelist for the Church of Christ in Danville, Kentucky, and the host of the Set Your Mind Above podcast. B.J. is another contributor to the Balancing the Christian Life lectures. Links are in the show notes below. We finish by talking about the number of days and years it takes to get all the way home and the decisions we make along the way. Many board games use time as a resource, either directly or indirectly. One of the best examples in our collection is Around the World in 80 Days, which is based on the Jules Verne novel of the same name. Players are recreating the trip of Phileas Fogg, trying to circumnavigate the globe in as little time as possible. Should you spend an extra turn in Bombay looking for an elephant? Should you send the detective to delay an opponent or take a balloon to speed your own trip along? Every decision brings you closer to success or failure, including when you decide not to decide. We are headed for a finish line of our own one day, and it takes roughly 80 years to get there. What are the biggest decisions we face and what little ones may turn out to be bigger than we had anticipated? We've already kind of talked about how time is the, you know, the resource that we all have, whether it's in a game, uh, we've kind of either danced around or used the quote, something to the effect of how time is our most valuable resource. We have a limited time. We can only spend so much and we can't get it back once we do. Thinking about how all of that comes into this effect here and how we use that time to make some of those big decisions. Maybe some of me is somewhat skeptical about someone who just turned 30 talking about the uh, pros and cons of making big decisions in life when I haven't really had a whole lot of time to reflect on that. But there are some things I think about for big decisions and little decisions. There's stuff like you know trying to decide what's my worldview. Uh, as someone who grew up in the church, that's going to be probably more phrased along the lines of, am I going to obey or reject the gospel? But even just thinking about for anyone, you know, if, if someone is listening to this podcast and they don't have a Christian background, and that's not their world, but you have to decide how you're going to view the world around you, your relationship to man, considering the thoughts of where did we come from, considering the thought of what happens when that approximately eight, when I do reach that finish line from the introduction to this section a second ago, how am I navigating my life or worldview through all of that? Uh, some other things we might do as we're considering the world around us with that worldview, whatever it is, of things that maybe we hear, especially in the States growing up, like where we're going to go to college, who or how am I going to spend the rest of my life with? Uh, how do I plan to earn a living through the world? Some of those are like the big decisions I, I think about hearing and some of the decisions I've made that I realize, man, this has a big impact on the trajectory of my life. And I also have learned at times that just because you make that decision doesn't mean you're necessarily locked into that decision. But Lord willing, while there's still time, you can maybe course correct if you find yourself needing to, maybe that's for personal improvement, maybe that's more importantly for things to be in line with his will along the way. That's exactly what Paul's point was and what Solomon's point was, you know, at the end of Ecclesiastes, that this is what Solomon cycled everything through all decisions is to fear God and keep his commandments. You know, that's, that was his worldview and his purpose and all other decisions were impacted by that one big 
decision and his worldview. And then, you know, Paul's making the same point in Ephesians 5, you know, making the best use of your time is understanding what is the will of the Lord and determining, I want to do that will. Okay, so how does that look like in these specific aspects of our life? So that's the big part, and I really appreciate everything you had to say about that. Speaking to the little ones, that may turn out bigger than we had anticipated. We are so good at justifying decisions because we don't think that they will have a really big impact because of how small they are. And yet what happens is we don't realize how quickly those add up. You know, this happens with a budget where you justify pulling through Starbucks and getting the venti half and half calf latte floppe, whatever you pull through and get at Starbucks for, you know, $6.95 or for $5.95. You know, you've had a rough day or whatever you say, I, I deserve this. I can justify this today. And then you get to the end of the month and you don't realize that you've made that decision, you know, seven times and you've spent an extra $55 on coffee that you had not budgeted. And you're like, wow, how am I missing $55? Well, because I didn't think it was going to make a big impact, but it does over time. Well, the same thing happens not just with our financial situation. I think the same thing happens with just the decisions that we choose to make. You know, it happens with what we choose to eat. You know, we think, you know, I can justify this. I can eat this. And then at the end of the month, I've not lost the weight I'm looking for. I've found the weight someone else has lost and put it on. It's these little decisions that we make that add up and they make a big difference. Spiritually, it's the exact same thing. We are creatures of habit, and it takes a long time to actually develop a habit. And what we realize is sometimes we can form habits without realizing that we're doing that. We can form a habit of neglecting certain things where, you know, we justify not doing certain things or we justify listening to something or watching something we know that we ought not to do or the time that we spend just, you know, having quote unquote me time rather than sucking it up and doing what I know I need to do for my family or others. We don't realize it, but at the end of the month or at the end of the year, if I were to take a marker as to where I was spiritually and then put another marker as to where I was at the end of the year, I've either gone backwards or I've really not moved that much. And a lot of it has to do with these little decisions that I made all along the way, and that they add up over time. And I just didn't take a good inventory of that and wasn't disciplined enough. And that's why, you know, when you talk to personal coaches, whether it's, you know, financial coaches or strength coaches or any of these other things, when you're trying to make a consistent change, they tell you, you cannot consistently make exceptions. Like, yes, one time is not going to kill you, but yes, it is because that one time becomes a habit. It becomes a consistent thing that you do. You have to have the discipline to just do what you know you need to do. And the same thing applies to us spiritually and to us with our time. We just have to have the discipline to do what we know we need to do because if we're quick to justify something different, that's going to get easier and easier and easier. We're not going to see the growth or the change that we want to see in our life. In response to that, first of all, I want to say that I think it's great that BJ is letting on like he has no idea how you would place an order at a coffee shop. I think that's <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. Well, if I would have exposed myself if I said if you pulled through and ordered a you know venti um, 
iced caramel macchiato with whole milk, one extra pump of vanilla, no whip. You know, people would have been like, wait, wait a second. He's done that wait before. That too well. That's Some, my wife's drink, by the way. Uh-huh. Some baristas <laughs> out there saying, I recognize that order. I recognize that voice. Mine's easy. I pull through. I say, I'll have a flat white or a cortado. There you go. That's uh, it. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to have a coffee episode. I haven't put it together yet, but <sighs> please put me and Mark Roberts on that coffee episode. That's, That's when right. you will get That's a lot of is. this going on for That's 45 minutes. <laughs> but going back to the idea of life markers, when BJ, when you were mentioning putting a marker here and then coming back and not having any kind of perspective, I, I think the problem is it's almost impossible to do something like that for us mm. to keep accurate records of where we stand as a Christian, you know, uh, this year I scored an 85 and that's my highest ranking ever. I think that's pretty good. And then a year later I found out that I'm an 82. Well, that's still pretty good, but I may have lost a little bit of ground here. I wonder where that happened, et cetera. Sure. That's not the way it works. And it's very easy for us to assume, especially if we believe in grace, especially if we are leaning heavily on, on Jesus as we should, it's very easy for us to just say yes or no. Yes. Good. All right. Good. Moving on. And not really think about it in terms of development or regression. It's a matter of, I'm still a Christian, haven't renounced the Lord yet, haven't died yet. I guess I'm just going to kind of keep up with business as usual, which may not be the best approach. In fact, it probably isn't the best approach. There's always a way to do what we are doing better than we have. And like you said, those those little decisions can lead up to something. Maybe I need to add 30 seconds more to my morning prayer. Maybe I need to add a chapter to my Bible reading or take a chapter away and read slower. A little bit of adjustment may be what I need to get a little bit of a bounce, a little bit of a response, if only to keep from getting blasé, to keep from finding myself in a rut that renders the things that we are doing, the good things that we're doing as meaningless. How can we appreciate that you just use blasé in your response there? (laughs) In his vocabulary. Yeah. That's very good. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, BJ quoted from 2 Peter 3. I'm going to expose my – I'm going to say 18, 18. although I might be second-guessing 19. There you go. That's right. 18. Uh, But even earlier on in 2 Peter, you got chapter 1, the idea there needs to be that increasing in that growth. And a lot of that's going to be through just those – daily disciplines and lean on the Lord's grace, but not just finding myself stuck within all of that. I think about how all these little things make an impact because it's not just compartmentalized. It all affects who we are as a person. I'm done with VBS season. Not to say that there aren't other VBSs going on around where I am in Texas, but the VBSs I'm a part of, I'm done with. And I'm not singing another children's Bible class song for six months. No, that's not true. But uh, (laughs) we've recently come out of, you know, be careful, little eyes, what you see, little hands, what you know, that song. And I've been thinking about that for little decisions. You know, what my eyes, my mouth, my feet do. The Proverbs writer says, when the father speaks to his son in Proverbs chapter four, he begins that section by saying, guard your heart. And then goes to the illustration of feet and eyes and mouth and all of that kind of stuff, because those little decisions that we make with our feet, you know, that we might think that's kind of a silly thing. We've got be careful little feet where you go. I have a very vivid memory of where my feet took me one night that led to what seemed like maybe a small decision at the end of a long week at one point that led to some 
very serious consequences for a couple of years we've overcome. But that's because just one little decision of where my feet went. And over time, those little decisions are helping us grow or they're helping us recede. You know, some people have made test how I've, I've been taking a test before. That's like uh, I've scored, you know, here's 10 Christian characteristics and I'm an eight out of 10 in this, or I'm a four out of 10 in that, whatever. That's also somewhat subjective because, you know, that's not necessarily in the back of the Bible, the Holy Spirit provided that. That might be helpful for us to see those things. We pray that we would continue to grow because that's what Jesus expects of us. Um, but we use those little decisions each and every day moving in that direction. And some of those big decisions, hopefully moving us in that direction of growth as well. I just think about the nature of a callous and how Paul warns against, you know, no longer walking like the Gentiles walked and the futility of their mind and, you know, the callous over their heart. I play ukulele. The strings are super easy. And when I try to pick up my guitar again and play it, it hurts. I mean, it's hard because those strings are much harder. But, you know, guys that do it regularly, they don't feel that pain anymore because they've repeatedly done the same thing over and over again. And they've worked up those calluses on their fingers. The longer we do something, the longer we're okay with something, the longer we justify something, the harder it's going to be to make a change and to fix the pattern that I've developed in my life because I can get to the point where I'm apathetic towards it, where I don't feel anything. I don't feel it what I should. It doesn't bother me anymore. That's difficult. And so the time to make a change is while it's still bothering me, while I'm still struggling with it. Not to say that you can't otherwise, but it's going to be much more of an uphill battle. Yeah. But, you know, I could say the same thing in a positive way. The longer you do a good thing, oh yeah, the more difficult Absolutely. it is to change. I don't think it's quite as as marked a distinction as it is with the bad thing. It's, I think it's always easier to revert to bad things yeah. than it is revert to good things. But at the same time, if we can build up spiritual callous against sin, against evil, we can put ourselves in a position. And again, going back to the idea of time, this is something that takes place over extended periods of time. You don't do this in a weekend. You don't do this in a two-week seminar. It takes decades of work to get to this point where it becomes instinctive for us to do the right thing. I remember when you were talking about, about guitar strings, I was thinking of one thing I read about Jerry Reed, the famous guitar player, he took one lesson in his life. He found out his guitar teacher wouldn't let him wear a thumb pick like Chet Atkins wore, and he's done. Okay, forget it. I'm never taking a lesson again. These people have no idea. They're not going to teach me to play like Chet Atkins. I'm not interested. So he just went on by himself, and his secret was he played guitar 16 hours a day. 16 hours a day. I'm, I do well to be awake 16 hours a day. You know, the idea of committing yourself to this task at that level is just astonishing. And it's almost to be expected. I wouldn't go quite that far, but it's almost to be expected that if you give yourself to a task that consistently, you're going to turn out pretty good. It's good things are going to happen in in that situation. We can do that with our time. But again, it's not going to happen because we – Listen to a lectureship, uh, like, for instance, the lectureship that all three of us are going to be partaking in uh, at the end of this, uh, or, or I guess Jeff isn't, but BJ and I are. Uh, this uh, lectureship. Recording it. 
That's right. He'll be supporting. Oh, okay. We're talking about the Balancing the Christian Life lectures, by the way. Man, that was a bad casting yeah. if, if we didn't get Jeff involved. We have to get him involved. We asked year. Jeff. He he was too busy. Anyway. Oh, that's right. see, you, everything <laughs> you say yes to, you say no to something there you else. Go. This is a good that's lesson. Right. Exactly. Go. Exactly. I was thinking about cutting that little blurb out, but maybe I'll just leave it in. Do it. To be fair, <laughs> I said yes to having a child and said no to uh, doing a podcast series or doing a lecture series. Hey. So. I, I'm, I'm having to do the same thing right now. Later on, someone just asked me if I would do a meeting in November and I've really got to think about that. Cause we got baby number three gets here at late September. So, right. Well, yeah. we asked him to do a meeting in October and he said no. So he'd better not say yes in November or else I'll take it. Personally. <laughs> but the, uh, at any rate, the idea of using the little decisions to accomplish his purposes, the big picture purposes, tying the bow at the end of kind of these three questions is I hope that, you know, I'll manage my time. Well, I hope that I'll look to fear God in the various times that I go through life. I hope that uh, the decisions I make will be prioritizing him. That'll be, you know, looking to accomplish his will to trust him when what's going on and the time that I'm in, isn't maybe necessarily the time that I feel like I want to be in, but I trust that his plan that this is the right moment for me. That's one of the things that I've talked about with my daughter, I don't understand what I'm supposed to learn with having such, such a fussy daughter from two to three months old. I used to think I was a patient person and I'm, I'm not as patient as I was. So I hope that I'm taking the lessons from that. And in that time, making decisions that help me to be more patient and to be more loving and caring. If you're not sure what the lesson is, usually it's patience <laughs> as a rule. Yeah. And everything is different. So I know this isn't the parenting episode. You've already done that one, Hal, but, uh, I'm learning how to you know, navigate this time and doing my best, make the decisions that I make. And I pray that those decisions are glorifying God. And I pray that he'll strengthen and show me his grace as I make those decisions on a daily basis. And as I make those mistakes, that I'll correct those mistakes and move forward to glorify him. Well, I did have something to say with regard to, to big decisions before we close up. I think we would all agree. I certainly hope we would all agree. And most people listening would agree that the most important decision that you make in your life is the decision to follow Jesus. Absolutely. You may phrase it a little bit differently, but going to heaven, you know, serving God, obeying God, that kind of thing. Spiritual tasks come first. If we were to say the second most important decision, most people, maybe not everybody, but most people would probably say who to marry. Mm-hmm. A third decision might be something along the lines of what career I should pursue, where I should go to college. If you're really young, you might say what my friend group is going to be, things like that. I think that's less likely for older people than younger people. Decisions along those lines. And it strikes me as odd that we can deal with these big picture decisions so independently of one another. If Serving God is the most important decision in your life. If that really is the overarching consideration for your entire life, doesn't it stand to reason it is going to touch these other things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and probably touch them significantly. Right. Yeah. And yet I see one Christian after another looking at dating, courtship, marriage, friendship, personal activities, whatever it happens to be as though it has absolutely nothing to do with God. It's not that they are, in their own mind, diminishing the importance of God. They're just diminishing the relevance of God 
in all of these other decisions. And I oftentimes struggle to communicate this, this thought. It's all about God. It's all about your faith. There is no significant decision that you're going to make in your life that isn't going to be impacted by your faith. Right. And uh, we convince ourselves that one has nothing to do with the other. We wind up making these little decisions or maybe not so little that erode away at what we claim is the number one priority. And maybe we find out that it was never our number one priority in reality, or maybe we find out that it's, it used to be, but now it's not. It's because we got our vision mixed up. Yeah. I say this all the time, Hal, that Jesus is not Lord at all, unless he is Lord of all. And the way I like to illustrate it, you know, is I'll take like a, like a silhouette of someone's face, you know, and, and a lot of times the way that people think of it is like, well, I'm a Christian and that's one bubble. And then I'm a husband and that's another bubble. And then I'm a, you know, an engineer and that's another bubble. And I'm a dog lover and all these different things. I'm a coffee guy. I'm a whatever. And that's the wrong way to view our life. You know, being a Christian is not a part of my life. In Colossians chapter three, Paul makes the statement that when Christ, who is your life, appears, the overarching bubble in my head is Jesus. All decisions funnel through him. Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of my marriage and who I marry and how I treat that person. He's Lord of my finances, what I do for work, what I do with my resources that I attain from working. He is Lord of my children and how I raise my children and what I do with my children. He's Lord of my, my habits. He's Lord of my entertainment, what I watch, what I put into my system. Like everything is funneled through Jesus. And that's what it really means to be a citizen of heaven. You know, Jesus is kingdom. If he's king, his dominion, his kingdom extends into every facet of my life. There's nothing that's off limits to Jesus. And unless I'm willing to allow Jesus full access to every single element of my life, I cannot call him my king. I cannot call him my Lord. Jesus has to be the one that I funnel every single decision through. And people will be ridiculous and they'll say, okay, so you're saying, you know, whether or not you pick up peppermint ice cream or chocolate ice cream, you have to sit there and think, okay, what would Jesus do? You know, no, that's not what we're suggesting. But what I am suggesting is, you know, when you walk through the grocery store, you're thinking, you know, what do, what do I need to do to provide for my family? You know, even in something as, as stupid or silly as that example, you know, what I'm going to defer to my family, what would they like rather than what would I like? Now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about even the small decisions I'm submitting to Jesus because I'm putting others in front of myself. So people can mock this and say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, no, it's, it's, it's not because even in the small things, I can reflect Jesus mm-hmm. and how he is Lord of every element and aspect of my life. You you mentioned BJ the idea of everything being connected. My vision went yeah. to the this speech that I saw, and most people have, I think, on YouTube, where this public speaker is out there comparing the differences between women's brains and men's brains. He says that a man's brain is full of boxes, you know, and it's mm-hmm. and it's so much easier to handle the world 
when you compartmentalize. I found as an adult male, it, this works really well. There is a finances box and there is a family box and there is a, you know, whatever it happens to be cut in the grass box. And whenever a certain issue comes up, you pull that box out, you take care of the issue, put the box back that nothing has any connection to anything else. And there's a place for that. But the way the woman's mind works, he says here, and I hope I'm not offending just thousands of, of people out there, but a woman's mind is like oh, a whole man. big wad of wires. It's like spaghetti. Uh, everything touches yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And and we have difficulty of understanding that as men because they see how you said goodnight last night as connected to something that happened three weeks ago. And we don't see that because one thing couldn't possibly have to do with the other. And they're saying everything has to do with everything. And and I right. think that there is a, a place for that in our walk with Christ to, to realize that if something is not touching Jesus, we ought to ask ourselves why it isn't touching Jesus. If yeah, Jesus right. is everything, if he is Lord of everything, like BJ said, why am I not thinking about Jesus when I'm choosing what movie to watch or what friend to hang out with on a Saturday night or who to marry or where to go to college or whatever it happens to be? How is Jesus not part of this decision? You know, the compartmentalization thing that you were bringing up, yeah, I've always heard it. Men's brains are like waffles. They have their individual boxes and women's brains are like spaghetti. And of course, there's exceptions to this. But in that, to make a a connection with what you're talking about, what my wife didn't believe for forever was that men have a nothing box. And I think each of you guys know exactly what I'm referring to when they say, what are you thinking about? You go, nothing. Nothing. And she didn't believe me for forever until we were in a marriage class. And they brought that up and all the other guys were like, yep, yep, nothing box. And she's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> like, <laughs> she couldn't believe it. And long story short, I think what I realize about me is that sometimes we can get in that nothing box with Jesus where we're just not thinking about spiritual things. I'm not setting my mind on things that are above. And the only other place that my mind can be set on is on things on this earth. And it's not that, you know, Christ is is telling us never think about what's right in front of you. Never think about things, you know, never, you know, think about what I need to wear today. That's not Paul's point in Colossians 3 and going back to that passage. What he's talking about is that filter aspect that if I'm setting my mind on things above, the things that I'm doing on this earth are going to be filtered through that ideology, through that worldview that Jeff was talking about earlier. That means I shouldn't ever be in a point where I'm in a nothing box regarding Jesus. Jesus really is a part of every aspect of my day. And of course, we're not going to be perfect at that. This is a this is a lifestyle. This is a practice. This takes training. This takes discipline. But hopefully we'll grow in that grace and in that knowledge, as we you know referred to earlier, of Jesus. And we'll see that difference. And we'll see areas that we didn't realize we were in our nothing box with Jesus about, and then we start giving him control over those areas, like what I'm doing with my time or where I sit or what I watch. I mean, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. But as we grow and mature, we'll recognize those boxes and we'll start connecting those dots. You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, 
and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.